0: From the age of 13 to 16 I was told that was not worth loving though it's not worth living that was my face my skin I we're all black you know just to let you know in Africa you know we're all black now South Africa is you know different but even in mm-hmm. Congo we are all dark skinned but I was told that that I was not the right color that I was too dark mm-hmm. that I was the wrong tribe that mm-hmm. I shouldn't be been born um, And so here I was meeting my creator and him connecting the stories that I read in the Bible and making it come alive. And so that was my experience. I came to America to meet Jesus.
1: Welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. This is your host, Jennifer Bryant. And today we are listening to a hard story, but ultimately an incredibly uplifting one. Welcome to the podcast for the first time, Sandrine Nyambo-Tucker. I met Sandrine at the She Speaks conference in 2017 when we were both there in North Carolina together, and her story has stuck with me ever since. I I remember sitting listening to her talk with a group of us in in the lobby, just in between sessions that year, and her story just stuck with me, and I invited her to come on to the podcast because at the heart of her testimony is the universal struggle that we all have with identity. Who are we? What were we put on this earth to do? Why are these things happening to us now? So I pray that you'll listen to her story with an open heart to see how and where God might be prompting you to tell your hard story. I wanna give a quick apology for the sound quality on this interview. We had to stream through an outside streaming service and onto Facebook the first time that we recorded together. So if you want to hear a little bit better quality recording, go ahead and join the Practical Family Resource Group on Facebook and you'll see the original live raw recording of Sandrine and I right there. You'll see us on video, but also, This interview is on YouTube, so if you didn't know or if you weren't already, subscribed to our YouTube channel. Head over to YouTube and subscribe to the Practical Family Podcast and everything else we do there, including um, the Home on Purpose program led by Trisha Childers and some other fun videos that we have. Subscribe so that you get notified when new videos come out and new podcast episodes and share it, share it freely because those YouTube links go pretty far. So that's why we're on there now as well as Apple iTunes and wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get on with this interview. This is my friend Sandrine Niambo Tucker, as she encourages us to unlock our hard stories. This is going to be um, a brief look at my friend Sandrine's life. I invited her here to share her testimony, what God's done in her life. And um, uh, this really came from a a brief meeting that we had at the She Speaks conference back in 2017. I think it was about three years ago. We were all at this Christian Speakers conference in North Carolina. And Sandrine, I think I ran into you in the bathroom, right? I think you were... (laughs) I needed yeah. help.
0: I think I needed trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with the milk, or yeah. should I dump it? Should I?
1: <laughs> you were, I'm so glad you remember that too. That's hilarious. I just these weird, these funny off, off, um, you know, unexpected connections, right? You had just had baby number five, and yes, remember two weeks. <laughs> he was tiny he was this little tiny thing and you were you were there looking so beautiful in your dress and you had your makeup and you had your baby and i was like okay she's trying to figure out what to do with her breast milk because you didn't want it to go bad (laughs) yes Yes. that was so sweet i think i think at the time too i didn't realize that you had already had you know four other kids and you probably knew what you were doing (laughs)
0: No, but I, it really helped me because I think I asked you, I'm like, what do I do? And you were like, oh, the laws have change. You can keep it out. After you pump it, it can
1: stay out for two yeah. hours or
0: something like that. I was like,
1: oh. <laughs> what do I do with this milk? Yeah, but I, I just thought you were so brave for com- making yourself, you know, come to that conference because you needed it for you. Yeah. And, that, you know, you, you brought baby with you. But now... You're you you have number six coming, right? Yes, we are expecting number six. So oh. we don't know
0: yet which you know what's the gender.
1: Okay. But um
0: but you know it's it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting and um Aww. and sacrificial <laughs> oh. I'm not feeling that well and so so I'm you kidding. know it's that's you know it's a part of I guess of like motherhood, you know. You know, this is is giving life. I'm, you know, I'm creating life. I guess with the help of God, but then, you know, in the process, I'm dying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm doing a good thing. It's gonna be over. Yeah. Like my oh, comfort my. is, dying. you know, my
0: my taste buds is dying. You know, so mm-hmm. it's sometimes, and I realize, in order to birth something, whether it's in a spiritual realm, you know, physical or family there's certain things that we have to let go, you know, so Great. And yeah. I am letting go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> amen. Amen. Um, tell us uh, r- real quick about your other kids. How old are they? What are, what genders, you know, how, what does your life look like right now with, with this family? So yes. So right
0: now I have a nine year old who's going to be 10 next year. So nine, eight, six four and a half and then a three year old. So um, once though, it's like I had four kids under four, one time (laughs) I had four kids under five. And so now, you know, I'm gonna have six, six under, you know, I guess she's gonna be 10. So, you know, we spread it out a little bit, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So I have, you know, she's nine, my oldest is nine and they're kind of all like little steps, (laughs) step kids, step kids. Is
1: that how you say it? <laughs> they step down. If you if you put them, if they stood next to each other in a photo, they would be stepped down, right? <laughs> yes, that's um, really that's how it is. Yes. And homeschooling is going okay. It is going
0: well. So we we do classical conversation um, as well. I think you do it too, yeah. but yeah. Mm-hmm. because of me being pregnant in the, our community, many of my youngest age are not in a daycare so we didn't have anyone to watch him mm. and that just put me in a place where I decided that just I'm going to take off this year and I had to wear a mask so I was like I am pregnant I have to wear a mask as a tutor I, I, I was one of the tutors and mm-hmm. um so it just give me peace to take to take a break just so that he can be a little bit older so next year he will be I guess he'll be 4 so we'll be able to, you know, preschool he'll be able to go and participate with all his siblings. Yeah. But we still are doing it from home.
1: So mm-hmm. I still have my
0: subscription mm-hmm. on on um uh, uh what is it called? Connect Connect. connect. So I've seen people still have that, that. yes. you mm-hmm. Connect, yes.
1: Good, good. Okay. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad to hear that you're handling that the best that you can with the program that a lot of us are familiar with. A lot of these mamas in this group do CC, um, but you know, whatever you do, right? You have to make the best decision for your kids. Yes, your that parents. gives me peace. I really was stressed out trying to figure out
0: having him in a classroom while I'm tutoring yeah. a three-year-old. <laughs> you know. And um, and wearing a mask, I just you know, not that I'm against wearing a mask. I think just being pregnant, Mm -hmm. all that, it just kind of put me in a not in a happy place. So I was like, you know, if I don't have peace, it's not God. So I just
1: (laughs) step away. It made me very not happy. That's all you need to say. Yes. Yes. Well, let's let's kind of go over a little bit because I want I really want the ladies to get to know you because you're you've been such a fascinating. Person to follow since I met you a few years ago I'd love if you could share a little bit about what God led you through from from growing up in a different country yes what what that was like and what brought you here because I really think it speaks to a lot of the adversity that folks are feeling right now even in this country I mean even though it's not the same type of struggle but can you share with us what you've come out of and how the Lord has led you to where you are now
0: yeah, so I was uh, I was born and raised until the age of 16 in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And actually growing up, it was Zaire, that's just an extra. Um, but mm-hmm. at age 13, my father passed away. Suddenly he died. And right after that, we experienced civil war. and um, And just like that, my life that I knew of having two parents, having, you know, living Comfortably, as an African, I can say, you know, we were middle class, not the same as American middle class, but, mm-hmm. you know, it was a comfortable life. I went to um, the best schools at a Catholic school uh, mm-hmm. back in, in the Congo. And then suddenly everything changed. My dad passing away, finding out that my mom was actually from a different country, from Rwanda. And if you guys, you know, can look it up there. There was a movie in i think early 2000 called hotel rwanda and there was a genocide between the hutus and the tutis so my mom is a Tutti. so Mm -hmm. that war that was in rwanda kind of spilled over in the congo because we were neighbors and at 13 years old i found myself without a dad and my mom's life in danger and my own life in danger and i grew up you know you're reading these stories of in the Bible, you know, like miracles, but then life happened to me, you know, it's like the stories that I would read of David and, and Daniel in the lions, then these stories and then meeting it with a l- real life. Um, and I can honestly say that I, I survived for those years. So after the war started in 96, I was 13, my mom ran away because her life was really in danger, so she fled. Mm. For seven months, I didn't know if she was alive. I didn't know if Mm. they killed her or she was hiding somewhere in the jungle. So then after three months of my dad passing away, I didn't have a mom and I didn't have a dad. And then three of my siblings also ran away with my mom. They were all younger than me. So right there, I had nobody. I had to fend for myself. There's, there are six of us in my family. I'm the oldest of all. So my mom fled with three children. Two of them were left, including me, and I ended up taking care of them. So we went and lived with family members from my dad's side because they were not in, um, the Ts in the Congo were the ones who were being persecuted, really killed because of their, they were from a different country, a different tribe. And so here I was with my dad's family, um, living, being hated. You hear these things being said about Mm tutees. And so even though they took care of us, internally I was completely ripped apart. My identity was completely lost because we were, you know, things that were said that, you know, every Tutsi deserved to die. Mm Tutees were not smart. So all of these things, I Mm -hmm. internalized, even though it was half of that, I became that. Um, But what's crazy is that when you're in a survival mode, I didn't even experience the the pain of it all. I didn't even like deal with it. I just was surviving. Mm -hmm. You know, so my, my brother was 12, 11 years old and another one was six. So we lived with family members, they wouldn't feed us. So we had to fend for ourselves, beg for food in the street. Um, and that, ha- that happened for seven months. But I didn't deal with the pain. I just survived. I don't know if it made sense. I just was living for the bread. I was living for the next minute,
1: the next
0: hour um, in hope that somebody does not recognize my features that's half. You know, um, and so that happened for seven months, and then the war kind of subsided, uh, and then my mom returned. So we were reunited with my siblings, but there was this rupture in our relationship. Me and her, so there I was, it was just she ran away, she left me. She did so, then there was rejection, mm-hmm. you know, there was abandonment. Mm-hmm. From the whole country, but also from my own parents mm-hmm. um and I felt that my dad you know I blamed him for dying. I blamed God, I just so that's where I was and then um and then my mom was able to apply for us to come to America as refugees, but we didn't leave the Congo until ninety nine nineteen ninety nine so that was three years later we finally were able to leave but the war continued <laughs> so it's like for 3 years it continued and i can honestly say i felt nothing like i did not feel until i came to america and the way that we came to america was by god's miracle because <laughs> i mean you know it's not i mean i'm like it's not easy to come to, you know it's come to america it's not easy to go anywhere, you know, especially coming from Africa, from a war-torn country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that, we came, I'm just kind of, you know, wrapping it up, making it shorter because it's a lot of details, but we were able to go to a refugee camp. And from there, we were vetted to come to America. And the mm-hmm. reason why we had to get vetted, because within the camp, in the camp, you had the killers. So I know many people you know I know there's this thing but in the camp you had the people who were killing us in the Congo and you had also mm-hmm. those who killed during the genocide mm-hmm. so they had to vet to make sure that the killers the murderers you know the didn't didn't cross over so that's also a process and then our health they had to process that too but we we came in 90 uh, in 2000 I came to Baton Rouge Louisiana and, um, and then here I was, you know, we called it the, you know, the land of milk and honey, you know, you, you, the United States was like a step to heaven, you know, it's like, this is Africa. And then one step it's, you know, USA, and then there's heaven. So, you know, you, you, you kind of stepped into the gate of heaven per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, you know, everything, nobody was threatening me. Uh, I could go to school. I mean, the fact that they'll give us food in school when we were riding buses, it was like, wow. But then all hell within me broke loose because I was broken. I was, I had those wounds, you know, it's like you take, you can take a pig out of the mud, but you cannot, you know, you cannot take the, the. I guess the muddiness from a pig, you know, we see even in the Bible, those of you ladies are listening and, you know, the children of Israel were taken from slavery, but Egypt was still in them. And so I found myself very depressed, very angry and hating myself because now I had plenty of time to face the reality of how I was hated. And, um, and so I started going with friends and, you know, I was, uh, I came at 17. I was 17 years old when I came and they put me in ninth grade. <laughs> so I was in ninth grade at 17 years old. By the time I was 18, um, I was going to the club. I was in 10th grade, 18 years old, going to the clubs, you know, because I wanted to to run away from the, the wound, the brokenness that was in me. Mm. and um, And then at the club, i went to the restroom like it's like yesterday um went to the used restroom and and um and i could hear like i don't know it was audible or you know or he was right there but i heard saying jordan if you don't change your life this is your future and i looked around there were girls who were throwing. i mean i don't know if anybody's been in the club it's disgusting it's nasty mm-hmm. but my eyes were opened and it was these girls who were throwing up who- hugging the nasty toilets and just that, that, that the life of, of addiction, because I wasn't dealing with the real issue that led me to the club. And, uh, and I said, to God, I don't know how I can get there. I don't know English. <laughs> I didn't speak English. I didn't know any church. I didn't know any way to get from the club where I was to finding the healing I needed. That was a Saturday and a Monday. A girl walks up to me in the bathroom in my high school and invites me to this church encounter or retreat, they called it. And I knew right there, God answered my prayer. And I went and for the first time, I grew up in the Christian home knowing the stories, you know, like Sunday school story of Jesus. But then I experienced life that, the stories did not connect with, you know, like the hero, the the that I I didn't see God like those stories I read. But then coming to America, I was able, like Jesus was able to connect those stories. He was able to connect. And I remember being at that retreat, and they telling me that I was I was beautiful, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, it's like I you know, for the first time reading Psalm 139 that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. You know? Um, because I was told from the age of thirteen to sixteen, I was told that was not worth loving, that was not worth living. I was my face, my skin. I we're all black, you know, just to let you know in Africa, you know, we're all black. Now South Africa is, you know, different, but in <laughs> Congo we are all dark skinned, but I was told that, that I was not the right color, that I was too dark, mm-hmm. that I was the wrong tribe, that I mm-hmm. shouldn't have be, been born. Um, and so here I was meeting my creator and him connecting the stories that I read in the Bible and making it come alive, you know? And, um, and so that was my experience, you know? I came to America to meet Jesus. You know he did not just free me from the physical experience i was living from being in africa to coming here but he freed me from the realities that, that i believed with you know the realities of things that were spoken to me became my reality mm-hmm. and so from there i wanted to let everybody know about jesus you know he really people ask me like like that you forgave. i'm like like that i forgive because when the pain was gone, the pain is what holds the, the memories, right? That the unforgiveness it's the pain. But once the pain was healed, I could let people go. I could let those who hurt me go, you know? And so I forgave family members, my parents, my dad who was dead, you know, um, and even God because I blamed God for allowing me to go through that. But he showed me that because of what happened to me, I can experience him in a different way. You know, I can know him in a different way. Like there are parts of me because we're so wounded that Jesus can penetrate deeper that, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, it's like being married, you know, it's like there's that relationship. So it's like, it's like because of those wounds, he can touch me deeper. I can experience him in a deeper way. And and so, and then you know, becoming a mom and and you know it's like now you know, sharing with my children that the world is messed up, you know, even what's going on right now, it's like the world is is messed up, but because we live in a broken world. People are broken. And I'm like, and when you think, cause now I look back and I'm like, man, I wounded people. I've hurt people too, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. So I have no right to ask God to forgive me for what I did, but I'm not willing to forgive those people who hurt me. So just mm-hmm. teaching our children, you know, it's like, we are not from this world. We are passing through,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we are passing through, and we are our inheritance is heaven, our identity is as children of the king. So, we are not going to build our mention on this world, you know, in this world, build our identity in this world, you know. And so, I feel like with what's going on being as that, I'm African, but I'm American now, so I'm like African American in papers, Mm -hmm. and my children being African American. Is that our identity? Is first of all God's children. That's my identity. That is your identity. And so we are going to heaven. And people will hate you. I'm like in Africa, people hate you. In China, you know, in everywhere, people will not like you. So let's invest, you know, where we are going. You know, let's. So that's kind of where. You know, and then my husband is, he's American. So teaching our children, you know, even with him, we have—we almost have to separate ourselves from, you know, the media, from, you know, th- what we hear. Because when you what you hear, it does affect your heart. What I heard growing up affected my heart. You know, so it's guarding our hearts and filling ourselves with what God says about us and building his kingdom,
1: you know,
0: so, yes.
1: Amen. Thank you so much. That was so, so relevant in so many ways. And I know even that as God's spirit rests on your heart and your life in this, this conversation and even the retelling of this, again, you know, the spirit makes it fresh and new and, and so relevant to so many people. I know that there are aspects of all of our stories that are going to impact someone else because of their own experience and i'm just i'm so thankful that you're able and willing to uh, be in a place now where you can share all of that um that was very very special i thank you so much sandrine well i wanted to ask you before we leave um you know you covered a little bit of it already you know what god brought you through how um, your outlook on life now is just so different, especially when it comes to your identity. What is it that you want women to understand more now? Like, what is your, your heart's desire, your call toward encouraging women at this point in your life?
0: Yeah, so at this point in my life, it, it really is like freedom. You know, my, I guess because that's what happened to me, you know, um, a few, few, probably two years ago, I had this image of myself being, um, uh, locked up, you know, in chains and, and Jesus coming in and unlocking me, unlocking the chains, but then giving me the key so that I go and unlock Mm -hmm. the other person, but then the other person taking the key and there's this chain of dominoes of unlocking other women. And the key was our stories. You know, so my heart is that that the Lord will redeem our stories and our stories become the key that unlocks someone else's. So that is my heart, is that, you know, uh, Galatians 5, 1, it says, because of freedom, that Jesus, you know, because of freedom, Jesus set us free. So let's remain free. You know, mm-hmm. so it's for me, it's there is a freedom that's found in Christ. There is There is this life, this abundant life that's found in Christ, because we have a purpose, you know, but we can't live that purpose when we are chained. We can't live fully, you know, um, uh, one, verse three, I believe, it talks about the the plant or us, our lives, is like when we are meditating in the word of God, Mm -hmm. we are like a a tree that's planted by the by the water and it prospers. But it's like prosper was like a masculine, something like that word flourish, you know, oh, that we flourish in every season. Mm-hmm. And we have seasons, you know, a season where you're single, a season when you're raising the little kiddos, a season where you're pregnant, like myself, I'm pregnant and I'm nauseous and I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And it, But in all of those seasons, God promises that we can flourish And the way that we can flourish is walking in that freedom that's found in Christ Jesus Mm -hmm. and then helping others finding that freedom. So that is the heart to really, uh, you know, share my story and allowing, you know, unlocking other women and allowing their story to unlock others. And lastly, I believe it's revelation. It talks about that they overcame you know by the blood of the lamb and their word of in the the word of their testimony mm-hmm. so it's like my story it's so completely different to yours you know i tell people like, my story could feel to someone else as though my leg was amputated you know it's like man you're it's so painful and to someone's story could be like man it's like a paper cut you know what i experienced is like a paper cut mm-hmm. but God cares not only about my amputated leg per se, but he also cares about the paper cut, your paper cut. Like he cares about every little detail. So it's like, you know what? Let's get healed. Let's find freedom and let's testify. So that's, yes.
1: Amen. Amen. I'm like, yes. that is such an important concept too, because so many of us can feel like our stories don't matter as much because it's not Um, you know, wrought with, uh, you know, all these intense, you know, things like being caught up in a, in civil war, genocide. I mean, that's, that's an incredible story. And we need to hear that. We need to hear how there is hope for, for people who are in that situation like yourself. But we also need hope when we fall into depression, just not knowing what to do as a mother in the middle of a pandemic. You know, a lot of us, I think can feel like our, our stories are not good enough to share and that's not true and i'm so glad that you said that sandrine to to share and to give people hope and that picture of the keys unlocking (laughs) unlocking our ourselves to allow us to be free mamas i hope you hear that today that whatever you need to be set free from whether you feel like it's small or or not it matters it absolutely matters Sandrine, thank you for being here with us today. I am so grateful for you and your story, um, your willingness, even in the midst of pregnancy. (laughs) I can't wait to see what this baby is going to be. So we'll follow you on social media and I'll put the links in in this chat for you to follow Sandrine on Facebook and Instagram and see what she's got going on because she she shares some really encouraging posts and fun posts about her kids and her family and we can't wait to see what God's gonna keep doing with you. Thank you, sister. Yes. Okay.
0: Thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me.
1: <laughs> You've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant. That was my friend Sandrine Yumbo tucker Go check her out on social media. She's on Facebook, Instagram, and her beautiful family. Her kids are growing so much since I last met them. And she continues to put encouraging messages out there to moms, to women, everywhere. I just love her posts so much. She is so very real, and she's right there in the thick of it. For those of you who are also homeschooling your kids, she is homeschooling all of them. So if you enjoyed this episode in particular, please share it. Share it wherever you see me sharing it on social media. And um, if you haven't already followed and liked our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and now on YouTube. Thanks so much for listening to the Practical Family Podcast. This has been Jennifer Bryant, and we are here to encourage you to find your strength and to grow in it, to seek God in everything that you do, to discover the unique gifts that he's given you, and to embrace grace.